Welcome to Trending Peoria, Peoria Unified's award-winning podcast, where we seek to tell the why behind what we do and share the stories that make Peoria Unified unique. Without further ado, here's this week's episode. What's trending in Peoria Unified, keeping your student engaged over the summer? While there are so many fun things they can be doing, we are here to provide you with some resources to keep them thinking, learning, and engaged so when they start next school year, they are prepared and ready to go. Want to stay up to date with your ABCs and keep your student reading this summer? Here are some helpful tips from our ELA team, including Melissa Selby, Sally Datria, and Stephanie Shastine. Hello and welcome to Trending Peoria. We are so excited to have you here today to talk a little bit about what our students can do to continue learning over the summer. Before we go too far, would you two take a moment to introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you do to help serve Peoria Unified? Um, so my name is Sally Datria and I'm one of the ELA coaches here. I actually coach high school in Read 180, but I come from a homeschooling background. So I spent uh, a lot of time getting my kids to have education at home in lots of different ways. So um, I'm kind of passionate about that idea so much so that my kids kind of beg me, can they please have a vacation that doesn't, <laughs> they don't have to learn anything. Yep. So um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Absolutely. And I'm Stephanie Shastine, and I'm also one of the ELA coaches. Uh, My background is mostly in middle school English, and at the current time, I'm coaching K through 8 English teachers. Wonderful. And so you kind of already brought it up. There's so many things our students can be doing over the summer to avoid that dreaded summer slide um, and continue some of that learning or practicing habits. And I feel like ELA is one of those that it's really easy to slip up on unless you're practicing it frequently. What are some things that parents can do over the summer to help their students stay engaged and continue learning and practicing those skills they already have? First of all, learning at home and keeping up those ELA skills doesn't necessarily mean that we're teaching our kids. Mm -hmm. It can be worked into everyday activities, things as simple as working through a recipe together or, you know, going to the zoo and reading the signs, things like that, Um, deciding where we're going to go on vacation and doing a little bit of research into the places that we're going to go and the history behind even like place names or things Mm -hmm. like that. It's really just about keeping the brain active. It's not really about what you read. It's Mm -hmm. the process of reading um, that's really important. So there's ways that you build connections in your brain Mm -hmm. just by that process that aren't built in any other way. So reading is super important. Um, There's lots of reading programs at libraries in in our district um, that give kids prizes that you don't have to pay for and even adult prizes. So... um, I just really suggest, you know, reading and having story time with your kids. And even the older kids like to be read to. They like to read to you. Um, You know, it might take a minute to get them to do it. But even I have a fifth grader right now, and he loves to have story time with mom. That's amazing. And I think you bring up a good point with all of those free programs that are available. The City of Peoria, I know, does a great job. They even have pause to read this summer where they can come in and read with puppies, which I feel like that just makes any reading environment more fun. That's um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but I also like that you bring up there's all different areas that students can be reading and practicing those skills. They don't have to be picking up a book, even though that's always a great option. Um, what are some things, if families already have a summer vacation planned, what are some ways that they can integrate reading and ELA practices into their summer plans they already have? 
Well, like Stephanie said, researching the area that you're going to is always a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, reading street signs and, you know, national parks all have signs about what's going on and um, around them. And then just asking really, really good questions. The other day, my husband was making a shopping list for my son's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And he wrote on there to bring cutlery. And my son said, what's cutlery? And he goes, you know, like forks and knives. And so my son was like, Uh, replied that, well, why didn't you just use the word utensils? Mm -hmm. And he goes, that's a great word that means the same thing. Is that an antonym or a synonym? Mm -hmm. And he just asked a really great question, and then he asked him to come up with it. You know, are there any other words that mean the same thing? Just little things like that are huge towards keeping your kids learning in the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are really great examples and some of those leading questions that you can go down. You can talk about different parts of speech, different ways that you would use it. Um, What are some other good leading questions that if parents kind of don't know where to begin, what are some of those other leading questions they can ask their students? One that I like, but it's really nerdy, is to look up the etymology of a word. So take that cutlery example, like, oh, let's look up why we have, you know, three or four different words for forks and knives, Mm -hmm. you know, and where did the words come from? And I know not everybody's into that, but I am, and (laughs) I force that on my own child and on my students as well. Well, Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of questions that lead to more questions. mm -hmm. So those great leading questions, gee, I wonder what this means and going and looking it up. We all have a massive computer in our front right pocket pretty much. Mm -hmm. So um, taking the time to just, instead of pretending that you know something or giving the limited knowledge that you know about something, saying an I wonder question, just I wonder this and let's go look it up together. I mean, that's a huge way to start. Absolutely. And going back to reading as well, just because that is such a fundamental skill and you guys know that data shows us if our students aren't reading over the summer they just come into that next grade level so far behind and they lose so much what are some ways that families if a student loves reading and or has a hard time picking up a book what are some questions families can ask about storytelling that will help um, reaffirm all of those things that they've learned throughout the school year Well, this isn't really a question, but I think the most important thing with those kids that struggle to read is that they actually see their parents reading. We don't read a lot anymore. Mm -hmm. We all sit and we scroll and we look on our phones and or we wait until the kids are in bed to read. And so it's so important to, you know, if you're having family time where the kids are having quiet time or they're doing something that they actually see you as an adult reading. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that is super, super important um, is to find things kids are interested in. They spend so much time reading the things they have to read. So finding some choices of things that they maybe watch on TV or movies they've seen, there's always a book about it. There's always a book that's similar. You know, there's a lot of really good um sports stories. Mike Lupica is an author that writes about sports that are kind of middle school, younger, Mm -hmm. middle school age. The boys love those books because it's about basketball and baseball and and different things. So finding something that kids really love Mm -hmm. and getting them immersed in it, maybe even um, helping them get started. My son wanted to read Harry Potter, but he read like a little bit of it at the beginning and he started to put it down. And I said, you know what, let's get through the first three chapters and then see if you don't want to read it anymore Mm -hmm. or if you want to continue. And by him reading a page and then I read a page, 
we got through the first three chapters and he was hooked and now he's read the whole series. So it's just kind of things like that. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point that you bring up that you can be doing it with your student at the same time. So when I was like junior high age, the big series was Twilight. And so I made sure that my mom, before we were allowed to see any of the movies, we had to sit through and we had to read the books together and do that. But it was a great practice. And then from there, I found so many other series that I liked to continue reading and having kind of that open dialogue and sharing what we liked about the story or what do we think is going to happen next and going through some of those I wonder questions too like you mentioned I think just adds such a great foundation for our students that once they get through all their required reading so to speak they have then a passion in other things that they want to read and other series that they can lead into um and I also like that you bring up finding what they're passionate about and what they like to read and what they're interested in outside of reading. What are some good resources if a student says, oh, you know, these are the kind of books I like, but what would be a good next choice? Or if I like these kind of movies, I know our libraries do a lot of to, lot to support that too. Do you guys have any feedback on that? That was kind of where I was going to go yeah. is to ask those librarians. They know inside and out what those new series are and what are really great um, stories that kids are checking out a lot. Um, so that's one really great resource for them. I mean, there's book lists online. You can go into Goodreads has a section for children. Mm -hmm. So, um, you can go in there and, and that's just kind of crowdsourced. Mm -hmm. So people go in and they put the books that they like and kind of a summary of it. Um, so that's an option for parents as well. And then there's other uh, sites like that online that you can go to, like just type into Google, you know, 15-year-old boy who likes space, It'll yeah. come, you know, and books, and then it'll all come up. So Absolutely. And I think you bring up a good point, kind of, about the summarizing. So after a student reads a book, that is great. They've practiced all their reading skills. Now how can they put their ELA and their writing skills into practice? And so summarizing it or doing things like that, what are some other writing activities students can be doing over the summer, though, to keep up those skills? Well, one of my favorite summer activities that I have had my kids do through the years, and I have a 27-year-old to a fifth grader, so um, is having them write thank you notes, like with an actual pen and paper. Um, it's kind of a lost art, but if you go on vacation somewhere, leaving a nice note for the housekeeper at the hotel or the person that you stayed with, um, just different things like that where they're actually writing. Mm -hmm. Um and then the other thing that I've had my kids do over the summer is we've taken pictures and actually gotten them printed out and then had them write about what they did over the summer. And it's a good reflection activity, but also it kind of, as a mom, gives you that that keepsake of what their handwriting looked like when they were six and seven and eight. And it's just um, an amazing kind of keepsake for mom, too. That's amazing. And Stephanie, especially for those younger grades, why is it so important that when a student, they're not just practicing proper grammar when they're writing, but they're practicing what it's like to hold a pencil and things like that. Why is that so important over the summer? Well, I think it has a lot to do with the fine motor skills, and I think when Melissa comes in, she's going to have a lot more information because I'm more of like the middle school person, mm -hmm. but um, it definitely I know they have to they have to build the fine motor skills, um, and that it tires a lot of kids out, and I would even have, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh graders who get tired holding a pencil, yeah. and they're just so relieved when they can type instead. Um, and I'm sorry, that's really not my question. No, you're good. That was perfect. And one of the um, big things about having little kids do activities that build those muscles without it actually being writing. Mm -hmm. So 
picking up blocks, manipulating bears, just different things. Even like little, little kids picking up Cheerios is a really big uh, way for them to build those muscles. And I don't think as parents, we always realize that that leads to better writing mm-hmm. and, and better handwriting Drawing in the long run. And painting and using Play-Doh and all of that leads into that as well. Absolutely. All of those little things that they can do when they're very young, that gives them just something to do with their hands so that on the first day of kindergarten, they're not so exhausted from writing their name and right. things like that. Right. Those are all really great activities. Is there anything else if a fa- parent is just getting started or trying to figure out what they're going to do to help keep their student engaged over the summer? Any other um, feedback or supports that you would be able to provide them? Well, the fact that they're worried about it tells me that they're going to be fine. So, you know, really, um, I spend a lot of my time when I talk to parents that are thinking about either homeschooling or schooling over the summer or how do I stay involved in my child's education, first of all, the fact that you're concerned means that you're going to do something that's going to be helpful. Um, but the other thing is that it doesn't have to be a separate, like, don't make your kids sit down and you have to do 30 minutes of this and 30 minutes of that. Don't make summer about school. Mm-hmm. You know, have it be fun. Have it be activities that they maybe would do anyways. Science mm-hmm. projects, cooking with them, you know, it could be as simple as doubling a recipe and they're doing math or reading the recipe and they're doing English. Mm-hmm. So I think the key thing that I would want parents to know is don't stress be intentional about wanting them to learn. Um, and the little things that you do will add up to an awful lot. Absolutely. And then word games. That's, I mean, things, it can be as simple as playing Wordle with them, mm-hmm. having them play Wordle or, you know, like go old school and play Scrabble. Um, things like that, that just you're playing with words. Yeah. And talking with them, I think that's majorly underrated now. Conversation Mm -hmm. where you just ask questions and have them answer you and, you know. Yeah, really, like, like take away their tablet in the car and actually have a conversation. That would be fantastic. Um, You know, we were driving to Tucson the other day and we played the alphabet game, which I'm sure everybody's played, but we were looking for the letters and I would ask my son, okay, you found the letter A, what sound does that make? Mm -hmm. Um, Or what animal starts with that letter? Or what food starts with that letter? Um, Just to kind of move it to the next level. Little things like that. Absolutely. I think the gamification and then just the integrating into what you're already doing, it's not, to your point, sitting down and doing school every day. You're giving them a little bit of a brain break, but still keeping them engaged and keeping them curious so that they're ready for the start of the next school year. Well, Thank you both so much for joining us and sharing a little bit about what our families can do to help support their students' learning so that they are able to start next school year off on a great foot. Thank you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, Melissa. We are so excited to have you here on Trending Peoria. Before we go too far, can you take a moment to introduce yourself as well as how you help to serve the families of Peoria Unified? Yes, thank you so much for having me. My name is Melissa Selby. I'm one of um, the ELA coaches, uh, one of three, and um, this is my third year in that role. Prior to that, I was a PAL teacher um, in our district, so a reading interventionist, <laughs> PAL teacher is what we were called. And then prior to that, um, 
I was first and second grade uh, in the district. So lots of years here. Absolutely. And you have a lot of experience working with our youngest learners. And speaking of, what are some ways that for our incoming kindergarten students or for those families of very young learners, what are some things that they can be doing this summer to make sure that their students are off to the best start possible? Sure. So many things. But <laughs> to to mention a few. Um, uh, one thing is just uh, playing games mm-hmm. and um, making everything a game for, for our early learner, learners. Excuse me. If you say, oh, this is a game, mm-hmm. they get so excited, even though yeah. <laughs> they're still learning. So one specific game that um, I played with my own children who now actually still ask me to play. My son's an eighth grader, and mm-hmm. he'll still want to play this occasionally in a car ride if I take away his uh, electronics mm-hmm. <laughs> for a little while um, is um, thinking of uh, all the foods that start with C. Mm-hmm. And so we think of cake and chocolate. And then, of course, we have to limit how many things you can come up with chocolate because that just uh, yeah. <laughs> dominates because mm-hmm. they start singing chocolate chips, chocolate cake. Anyway, so just thinking of all the foods that start with C. because And then that is um, – it, it lends itself, too, to not just – uh, a certain sound, then you can talk about, you know, um, celery, which starts with a C, but it's a different sound. So it's just making fun games out of sounds and, and getting getting them ready. That might not be um, specifically for kinder. That might be a little bit older for second grade. Um, but yeah, just games in the car and and playing. Yeah, different ways you can gamify what they're learning. And I, I see too all the time of even outside of those phonetic understandings, but mm-hmm. sometimes te- uh, teachers will put together like a game of hopscotch where they're trying to put together the words yes. or different things so that they're getting active while doing that learning. Yeah. What are some of those other fun activities that a family could do over the summer? Uh, yes. Yeah, so like you said, hopscotch, um, and then you can write parts of words inside. So like compound words, you can write butter and fly and combine those words um, and see how those go together or dog and house and just combining those um, again compound word Mm -hmm. fun games like that Um, you can even you don't even have to make a chalk outline you can use your hands and it's hard to do on a podcast but I'm putting my hands together I have a word and a word on each of my hands and I'm putting them together to combine so fun stuff absolutely and the other really important thing I know especially for our kindergartners is not necessarily that they're walking into the first day of school knowing how to read a full picture book but some of that understanding how to flip a page or understanding um, the basics of reading what are some of those things that especially for those youngest learners it might be their first experience walking Mm -hmm. into a school what are some of those things and skills parents can start to work on right now yeah um, so all of that is considered print concepts <laughs> for the technical term. But yes, um, just at home when you do have that picture book and talking about the cover page mm-hmm. and then the title and the authors who writes it, um, those are, excuse me, those are all things that uh, teachers will start asking day one in the classroom. So if parents are doing that ahead of time and then just tracking right to left. So just um, pointing to each word and saying the cat is big and just that Uh, one-on-one word Mm -hmm. association pointed to each word. 
That is such a great point that you just made. Why is it so important or what are some of the things our parents can be doing? Say they have a habit of reading every night with their preschool student. What are some things that they can start integrating now that will help them when they get to kindergarten? So um, some of the things they can do now to get ready is uh, just holding <clears throat> holding that book with their student and uh, pointing out the this is the cover page this is the author this is who writes the story um, these are the illustrations use big words that they're going to hear from their teacher um, starting day one in, in kinder and then um, just even tracking uh, each word um, and so if the words are the cat is, big, just pointing to each word and tracking with your finger. Um, so in case, you know, the kids may, may or may not be reading yet, but it's just associating um, that each word on the page has meaning and that they're tracking it together. Yeah. And they're, even though they, to your point, might not know what the words are, they're mm -hmm. starting to recognize, oh, cat, there's that yes. C that I see all the time. Right. And some of those different things so that when they start reading on their own in kindergarten, they have some of that background knowledge to help support them. Yes. Um, I know we hear all of the time that it's so important to be reading with your student and it's so important to be practicing those skills. When you, as a reading interventionist, what kind of difference did you see between our students who they were actively reading every night versus mm -hmm. the students who maybe that wasn't a top priority? How or What are some of those differences you saw in your classroom? Yeah, um, 20, 20 minutes a day is key. Like mm -hmm. that, that makes a huge difference. So even just uh, sitting, I know you don't want to say, okay, set a timer for 20 minutes and read. That would be great. Um, but if you can sneak in, <coughs> sorry, if you can sneak in 20 minutes, or I'm sorry, like five minutes here, 10 minutes here. Um, but yeah, just, just 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be solid, but, uh, that would be great. There are statistics that I don't have in front of me, but if you look up some statistics about, uh, reading 20 minutes a day, for um, your kindergarten through third grade career. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it, it amounts to so many minutes. I wish I had that statistic, but it, it's amazing to see the the difference in kids that do that 20 minutes and kids that don't and how many more <clears throat> how many more exposures they have to reading. Yeah, that's a really great point also because it is, it's those little things that add up over and over again and they're practicing and then those students who, once they get to third grade, maybe they're reading above their grade level or they just, they have an ability when they're going to go write something, they have some of those context clues or a larger vocabulary because of that. Outside of just reading, I know there are other things our parents can be doing to help grow our youngest learners' vocabularies. Yes. So that when they get to school on the first day, they have this big repertoire of words that they can use. <laughs> what are some of those words that we should be looking out for for our kindergartners? So I'm just thinking about foundations. Yeah. They're going to come in uh, to foundations. And the, the beauty of that program and... And you actually don't even have to use that program specifically. That's what the teachers will be using. But um, what that program does is it builds vocabulary just with uh, simple CVC words. And so kids are learning all of their alphabet sounds mm -hmm. and really growing their the vocabulary that way and then attaching those sounds to print. 
So for example, um, <clears throat> a lot of kids know k at cat, you know, that's, that's a kindergarten skill that they'll be learning, uh, not day one, but eventually they'll get, they'll get to that, how they're, they're hearing sounds <clears throat> and then they're seeing it in print. Um, but they also, um, as they learn all of those sounds, like cat is very familiar, but the word sip is not. And so they're learning sip and then you're teaching them, oh, you I take a sip of my drink um, and take a sip of my water. So the, the way that we used to teach memorization about vocabulary has, has sort of switched and it's more about um, attaching sounds to print and how that just opens up lots and lots of vocabulary words because once you can attach sounds mm -hmm. to these letters and sound them out, then you can learn sip and sap from a tree. Like those are very unusual, but it, it yeah. really grows the kids' vocabulary. I think that's a good point, and I really liked what you were doing, too. I know people can't <laughs> see it right now, but as you were sounding it out, you were tapping on your fingers each of those different sounds that you were hearing. And I think that's a really great thing that our students and our youngest learners can be practicing, too, when they find a word that is hard for them to mm -hmm. pause and to sound out each of those different letters and those word or letter sounds that they already know so that they can try to piece it together. What are other things, um, if a parent is wanting to help their student just practice either writing or things like that, what are some of those tips that you would maybe give for our parents? So if parents are brave enough, they can buy shaving cream, mm -hmm. <laughs> put it on their um, bathroom counter, maybe if, if they're feeling brave, and then kids love writing in shaving cream. Um, I know some kindergarten teachers are still brave enough to do that too. Um, so it's something they might see when they actually go to school. Um, so shaving cream is so fun. Um, uh, even as like sand tables, just mm -hmm. writing if they, or in the sand, if they're going to the beach this summer, writing in the sands, writing in shaving cream, um, fun stuff that they, again, kind of a game for those little little learners, mm -hmm. um, using something that is not a pencil, even buying big fat crayons or gel markers. Mm -hmm. If you um, would like to purchase, any, you know, yeah. again, um, there's some free things. There's some not so uh, some things that aren't free, but um, just the range. And sometimes when that pencil goes in, the ha in their hand, they... Uh, they get a little like frustrated. They could yeah. potentially, but if it's a fit big fat crayon or um, something that has color, something out of the ordinary, even um, whiteboards mm -hmm. and whiteboard markers, um, those are, are fantastic things too. Yeah. So, and it's a way to make it fun. I, yes. I don't know why, but it reminded me from when I was in kindergarten and learning how to write. Our teacher was brave enough to let us use Jello packets. Oh. <laughs> um, and then we got to enjoy any of the like sugar that got in our yeah, finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very brave. Exciting. There was a little bit of a sugar high after it, I am sure. <laughs> but any of those fun things that our parents can do, and I know there's so many things already at home. Um, if a parent was looking for a place to gain some resources or mm -hmm. just they're trying to figure out where to start, where would you send a parent who has a young learner? Uh, so definitely... Um, any public library, it, that's that's a great place to go. Um, and 
my personal <laughs> uh, website of choice for our youngest learner learners is called Reading Rockets. Um, they have so many great resources and articles, scholar scholarly articles um, to get things started. There's a range of if your child is in kinder or first, second, third, they have everything there. Um, so that's one of my personal favorites. And then, of course, classroom teachers, uh, back to school night, um, if they can make contact and they will have lots of ideas for them as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to share all of the different things our parents can be doing to help prepare their student for the first day of school. Um, I will let you, though, with that, get back to your busy day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Trending Peoria. Be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts so you can always stay up to date in everything happening in Peoria Unified. A special thanks to the Peoria Unified School District Office of Communications, including Mr. David Colley, our producer, Danielle Airy, Aaron Duncy, Angela Toll, Sarah Meredith, Natalie Zinoviev, and Rebecca Terry.